being willing to express your desire does not mean you have to go and fulfill that desire. Being willing to say the thing that might end the relationship does not mean you have to end the relationship. I want to be very clear. It is about adding air to that shame to create freedom that opens possibilities that were not previously available to you when you were withholding. Today, I'm talking nerdy with Victoria Lutzhoft about money, sex, and why shame prevents us from having vulnerable, uncomfortable, and deeply healing conversations about them. In this episode, we're diving into the value of healing and being witnessed in community, where shame exists in the brain, how it inhibits our behavior, what is required to create a safe space for outing yourself and the things that you are ashamed of, and how to begin having conversations about sex and money that ultimately lead to experiencing greater freedom in both of those facets of life. Victoria Lutzhoft is a human being, mother, sister, wife, seeker, community builder, and a coach. She set off on a personal discovery path in 2016 after dead-ending in jobs, stuck in a loop of overeating and drinking, and never feeling fully satisfied with life. Victoria has traveled both internally and externally to find home, which has enabled her to move from disempowered, numbing, and easily overwhelmed with life to more alignment, able to express herself fully, and determined to follow her desires. Whether it's a coach training program, emotional intelligence school, breathwork, or Reiki, the basis of everything Vic does and teaches is about learning to feel her feelings and let her feminine lead. She is married to a great Dane, Anders, and resides in Copenhagen, Denmark with her husband and daughter, Emma. Before we dive into this episode, we're going to take some time for a little nerd alert. A few months ago, I interviewed Mona Anand about non-sleep deep relaxation and the practice of yoga nidra. To date, this has been one of the most popular episodes of Talk Nerdy to Me. Mona was a longtime mentor of mine and the person who first introduced me to the practice of yoga nidra. Since then, I've run several rounds of yoga nidra teacher training, both in person and online. If this is a practice that you're interested in learning more about, either for yourself or so that you can share it with others, my next round of training begins on January 17th online. We'll meet every Wednesday on Zoom from 5 to 7.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for about three months. By the end of the training, you'll have a full understanding of the practice and the skill set necessary to successfully guide yourself and others through it. If you've never heard that word yoga nidra before, it is a Sanskrit word that basically translates to yogic sleep. So in this practice, you are essentially meditating, laying down, moving through a series of techniques that teaches your body how to fall asleep while your mind remains alert and focused. In doing so, you give your brain the opportunity to shift into more alpha and theta wave prominences, and because of that, the subconscious and unconscious mind. This makes the practice of yoga nidra incredibly powerful in pulling out old belief systems from the root and planting new belief systems in their place manifesting and deeply healing the subconscious and unconscious mind. Because one-on-one feedback from me and live attendance is such a critical component of this training, space is going to be limited. To learn more and save your spot, you can click the link in the show notes or visit alexnashton.com slash nidra training. That's alexnashton.com slash nidra training. 
Last but not least, if you have been listening to Talk Nerdy to Me and have found this information to be helpful, I would love it if you could hit pause and leave this podcast a five-star review and a written review on whatever platform you're listening on. In doing so, you help get this show into the ears and brains of more listeners like you. Now let's dive in and start talking nerdy. Welcome to Talk Nerdy to Me, Victoria Lutzhoft. Did I say your last name correctly? I've never actually <laughs> said your last name before. I've only ever called you Vic. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today because a few months back, I interviewed Julia DeCaniva about death, and it ended up being one of the most confronting and uncomfortable conversations I've had on the podcast yet. And also one of the fan favorites. And that got my wheels turning in terms of what other really (laughs) uncomfortable, confronting and challenging conversations can I facilitate on here. And one of the topics that came to mind was something that we have spent a fair amount of time talking about over the last year, which is money, sex, and shame. So I figured you would be the perfect person to bring on for an interview. Thank you so much for carving out the time today. Thank you for having me. So happy to be here. I figured it would be nice to start off just by sharing with the listeners how we know each other and how we've been in community over the last year. Do you want to begin with that? I would love to. Well, I think we had a little like flirtation when we were both living in L.A., I remember seeing you in passing at Cafe G and then we reconnected in Portugal in the summer of, or we like connected for the first time really in Portugal. Was that 2022, right? Yeah. I, shortly after that, around like October, must have been just the next month, I think, I started birthing an idea that came to me after finishing a group program yeah I was like a a a mentor in in another group program and there was a lot of us mentors were like in our own businesses and connecting and wanting more connection and wanting to talk more about our businesses and I had this idea of like of a self-sustaining mastermind basically where like instead of it being one person who was in charge of everybody and you know in other masterminds I don't know if you've been in other like business masterminds probably but your peers like you maybe kind of connect with them and you know I just there was a lot of holes that I felt were kind of like in some of these masterminds and they just get so expensive anyway so I had this idea started inviting women who I yeah had like been knowing and meeting and connecting with and and Alex you were one of them and um I think you were like an immediate hell yes which was so fun I don't I don't remember (laughs) exactly um yeah and then that that started a year of of really deep connecting and supporting each other um and we just yeah have got to see each other in so many different phases and and ways and yeah different lights over the last year so I'm sure we'll talk more about it, but that was called The Village, and we just we just met again in person in Greece together. I'm, I'm telling you this because you're the one in front of me, but for those of you listening, <laughs> you were there, you know. 
Yeah. So we uh, culminated this year-long mastermind together with a group retreat to Greece. And the whole year that we've been together has been pretty transformational for me. And in the spirit of outing myself, which (laughs) is something that we've been doing a lot of lately, I had serious imposter syndrome going into this mastermind. And I think you and I had briefly had a conversation about it of, you know, I got started on my entrepreneurial journey, but also my personal growth and self-development journey pretty young when I was 17. And I'm so used to being the youngest person in any personal or professional sphere that I'm in. And as soon as you invited me to be a part of the village, so much was coming up for me around all of these women are so much more qualified than I am. They all make significantly more money than I do. They, I had just started really taking on clients in the realm of relationship anxiety, dating anxiety, codependency, insecure attachment styles. And there were multiple women in this group that are years and years and years deep into the world of relationship coaching. There was so much that came up for me in the very beginning. And even now, there's still a little bit of like, who am I to be (laughs) surrounded by all of these badass women? And like, what is my contribution here among women who are so much further ahead of me on their path? And yeah, I share that with you now because I don't think that it's something that we've touched on in a long time. And also because... It's something that, you know, anytime there's imposter syndrome, right, there's usually a fear of being found out and there's something that we're hiding. And that is the nature of shame, which is one of the things that we're going to be talking about today. Shame is an emotional experience that compels us to hide certain aspects of ourselves that we deem as being or we project as being undesirable to others. And the level of honesty in this group of women, just how transparent we've been, just how much we've all outed ourselves is something that has been really life-changing for me. And I would love if you could speak a little bit more to your initial experiences, healing and community, and the value of being seen and witnessed by other women or just other people in general. Yeah, now that you're sharing that, I do remember because I remember we had a set of like requirements or like, you know, kind of like guidelines that that we had set or that I had set. I made up. That's the thing. It's like everything is just made up. (laughs) However far out we want to look at it, like it's all made up. And then we like judge ourselves of like capable or qualified or whatever, like against these made up things that just... As I'm now, you know, my ripe old age of nearly 32, I'm like, oh my god, I've just been struggling for so long to, like, yeah, be a part of these made-up things. But yeah, I remember you saying that in the beginning, and I was just, that willingness to bear the secret is, like, what has me respect you more and like wanted you to be a part of this regardless of like how long or how much or whatever it was like I really just want to acknowledge that and I think 
that's part of what I've experienced in healing my own shame and self over the last several years. I started really heavily on my personal growth journey in like 2016. I had worked with therapists before and struggled with anxiety and depression in high school and numbed a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, drugs, alcohol, sex, all of that. And um, I really, in 2016, when I started, not only just started to look at my own inner thoughts and my own inner beliefs, my own narrative, I started doing that in community, learning how to bring those things out into air. It's just sound waves in air right but like our, our our body just has can experience so much right tension tightness fear pure death what i've experienced you know maybe ego death but it's been a practice it's been a practice and now i have uncomfortable conversations almost every day of my life like truly it's still uncomfortable I still sometimes I'm in a whole new relationship relating paradigm right now with my husband of several years or six years however long we've been married I can share more about it but it's like just a 15 minute conversation with him where I my ego kind of feels like it wants to die a little bit and it doesn't and I'm okay and life goes on but yeah I think sharing is caring (laughs) we'll just summarize it there (laughs) for you and for others i think that's my new motto sharing is caring yeah yeah well i think that it is the portal to actually connecting and actually feeling understood and actually being able to experience love and appreciation and acknowledgement, not just within our romantic relationships, but also our friendships, our personal relationships with our family, and even professionally, especially in the coaching industry, right? There's so much smoke and mirrors here. But I think that the rawness and the vulnerability that we bring into our client relationships too are only of greater service to everybody. And going back to that moment because I remember the text exchange when you first invited me into the village and I was so on board. I was like, hell yes, blah, 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 da, da, da. And then you sent me the guidelines and I was looking at it. And one of those guidelines was this woman has made X amount of money within her business so far. And I could feel myself immediately recoil and want to go into avoidance. I really did not want to tell you that I haven't made the requisite to be in this mastermind. Do you want to say how much it was? Yeah, it was six figures a year in my business. And thank you for calling me out on that because it's something I could feel myself like I'd rather not share that with listeners either that I hadn't yet hit my first six figure year. And how dare you not hit your first six-figure year in your business? Like, you absolute fool. Like, I don't know, you know, how many people have? (laughs) I know. I'm so glad. I'm so glad, too. And I could feel in myself the desire to 
avoid you rather than just be honest and tell the truth because I'm very committed to honesty. But there was this piece of me that's like, well, I could just ghost right now. I could just like I was so excited about being a part of this and having to out myself and say the thing that I felt so embarrassed to say like that was actually my ticket in. And as you mentioned, the thing that made you feel like I was even more of an appropriate fit to be a part of this group. And I think the same goes in every context, whether it's, again, our friendships, our romantic relationships. And I would actually love if we could lean into that more because that's something that a lot of the listeners have been requesting is just a more more conversations around romantic relationships, sexual relationships. And I would love if you feel compelled to to share a little bit more about what you're uncovering in your marriage and something that you've shared with me that I hold like very, very close to my heart now is that the portal to actually having intimacy is being willing to say the thing that could potentially end the relationship. And I think that's something that's paraphrased from one of your teachers. But I would love if you could share more with listeners about how that has played out in your marriage and in your ability to actually be more deeply connected to your husband. Yeah. One of the things that is important about noting to have these types of conversations, in my experience, there needs to be an agreement, right? So like just walking up to a stranger on the street and being like, your coat is ugly. Like (laughs) it might be this thing that you really feel like called to say or like, you know, share with them because this person is wearing a horribly ugly coat. But like you don't have an agreement. So therefore that is violation, right? This isn't the practice of I don't know that much about like radical self-honesty and there's some practices where you do just say all the things and while I think that's great there's a missing piece of context that is we were in agreement whether we were like inside of the village conversation like we were agreeing to get into something together right we were in that process we had that agreement and it can be overt which I think is super important like as a coach as somebody who wants to have a conscious clear relationship and conscious clear friendships like overt agreements are great and there's also covert agreements that you know we can talk about if necessary but that's just like an important thing that came to me as you were sharing because it can be kind of confusing I would imagine and difficult or like okay how do I start this and if I were to want to start saying the thing in my relationships that might end the relationship like how do I do that do I just blah and my husband no we got to set a little context. we got to get some agreements. we got to share. And what I'm ultimately in the practice of right now, it's really been a heavy learning curve, a hard learning curve since May of this year is how to communicate to my husband without basically chopping his balls off. Like I had been under the radar for several years, even being in the work, even, you know, having a lot of training around communication, emotional intelligence, feminine, masculine, relating, a whole new level of my unfavorable characteristics have been revealed over this past year. And it's been a really humbling, excruciatingly embarrassing 
ego deathing process that yeah has taken a lot of external support and a lot of agreement to continue to stay in these conversations and to keep saying the thing I don't know. Do you want to know like specific stories, conversations? Do you want to know the conversation we just had? What would be, what do you want to know about? Like, (laughs) yeah, I think going back to what you shared about agreements and context would probably be the most helpful for listeners. Like, how do we begin the process of setting up a container where that's even appropriate and what is required on our part? Because what I just heard you, share about your own experience with your husband is that you had to be so willing to look at yourself honestly and there's a huge level of humility that I think is required to face the truth that you were emasculating him in your communication style and yeah I think that would probably be a good place to lean into a little bit more for listeners. I think ultimately, like, we gotta just get real with ourselves. Ask yourself, am I having the types of conversations that I want to be having in my life? Yes or no? Am I spending my energy with people that I'm getting filled up by? Does it feel good? Yes or no? Really being honest with yourself and asking, am I taking responsibility for my experience of life? Because... I believe that nothing is happening to me. Everything is happening for me. Good, bad, positive, negative. There's no actual value. It's what I interpret it. It's the story I make it up to be. So that's the first piece is, you know, I meet a lot of women now and I'm living in Copenhagen. I have a women's community here that I've been growing the last year and I meet a a lot of women and there's a lot of expats you know coming here like it's hard to make friends danes are so cold da, 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 da. like having all these beliefs buying into these stories that they've heard online or through the grapevine or whatever and it's like does that actually serve the life that you want to create even if you've experienced only harsh people and cold shoulders and is that what you want to be experiencing yes or no no okay is there something else you can do instead right is there another way this is all just like a little process of self-inquiry that I do with myself and a lot with clients is like first of all really getting honest with is what I'm experiencing in my life what I want to be experiencing and realms of friendship intimacy money sex whatever yes or no it doesn't need to be more than an answer of that, right? If there's any, if it's, yes, but da 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 no, but da 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 that's just a story. And then once we can acknowledge it, like seeing, just being able to see the things in our lives, starting to look at these things, me starting to get reflection of like, from my husband and my friends, that it wasn't feeling good, how I was communicating, me being willing to see that was the first step. Just being willing to see it. I'm willing to see it. I'm willing to change. I'm willing, right? Finding that willingness inside of yourself. And this is the piece where like a lot of people try and do this on their own. (laughs) And it doesn't really work too well. Like we need that external reflection. That's why, you know, I've been surrounded by coaches and therapists. And since 2016, I pretty much have had somebody 
with me on this journey. Kind of went on a little tangent there, but <laughs> I think it's important to just like, yeah, sit with like, am I taking self-responsibility? Okay. Then from that self-responsible place, recognizing you want to make a change. This is where you can start to share things with other people, right? Like, let's say it's your significant partner or a friend. This is what I would say to a client, right? Or like to myself, it's like, okay, you see, you want to make a change. Have you ever lived the way you think you want to live? No. Have I ever talked to my husband the way I am learning how to talk to him? No. So it's probably going to be messy. It's probably going to like disrupt some things. It's probably going to be, you know, hard. And so that's the first place that I often say to like start sharing with, let's just say, your significant other in, in this moment, right? I can give you a little set of questions that I give to my clients. You can put them in the show notes or whatever. You know, these four questions that kind of take yourself through, right? And then you can recognize you want to start making changes to how you're connecting with your partner, with your friends, with people. And then you can set them down and simply get into your heart and say, I noticed there's some things that are not serving me in my life. I'm committed to making a change. It might be messy, might be uncomfortable. I might seem different. And I just wanted to let you in on that process. This isn't a place where you need to like ask their permission or get case by case, right? It's different, but really just like coming and sharing and saying like, this might not be all butterflies and rainbows for the next little while like do you need anything are you are you okay with this right you can you know get some check-in and we can talk about it more specifically with like yeah masculine feminine communication but just sharing that piece of like some things are going to change and it, it might look different and i just wanted to let you know that I was doing a little bit of research to prepare for this episode and looking really specifically into where shame exists in the brain. And it's in this region called the anterior cingulate cortex. And the function of this part of our brain is to identify when something is wrong. So when we're looking at an email and there's a typo or a spelling error, this part of the brain lights up. For individuals who have body dysmorphia, it's this region of the brain that's affected. When they look in the mirror, they see an image reflecting back to themselves that they perceive as being wrong. And in the case of shame, there's this very specific teeny tiny region of the anterior cingulate cortex that not only lights up when we're experiencing the emotion of shame, but when we find ourselves in situations where there's the potential for shame. And so from an evolutionary perspective, shame wasn't created just to make us feel wrong or bad all the time, but as a way to keep us in community and keep us in tribe. It was designed as this emotional experience that would hopefully reinforce moral behavior or socially acceptable behavior so that we wouldn't be left alone in isolation, vulnerable to predators and the elements. So the original 
seed of shame was not this like malicious thing, but as human beings, we've become increasingly complex. And the things that we perceive as leading to social rejection have gotten more complex as well. And I want to talk a little bit about that feeling of, oh my God, if I had to say this to somebody, I would die. <laughs> what you were sharing in terms of getting reflections from your friends and your coaches around the way that you were emasculating your husband or the way that I felt when I had to admit to you that I hadn't made six figures yet in my business, like that feeling of, oh my God, I could never I could never let this person know this thing about me. And, you know, in the world of recovery, there's a saying, we're only as sick as our secrets. And one of my favorite things that you would ask in the village or anytime we've been in circle together, we're at the retreat in Greece is, what are you withholding? Or what is the one thing you don't want us to know? about you right now or to know is going on with you right now. And if somebody is wanting to set these agreements in place and start sharing a little bit more of what is really happening behind the scenes with them, what do we do when we start to feel that seed of shame or that cringing or that, oh my God, I'm going to die if I have to say this out loud to somebody else? Yeah, definitely just sit with it for like five to ten years and uh, let it <laughs> No, but I like I love the little science lesson, like history lesson too, right? Because like I think I had I have had so much judgment that I felt these ways, right? That I could like feel so much shame and actually recognizing like that the body and the brain attempting to do something good for us right to like keep us safe and most of us are not in harm's way anymore most of us are not like living inside of a dangerous environment these days that little shame seed then starts to take over and to keep us safe in these other circumstances so how do we identify it for me and for a lot of people, it's starting to recognize the body sensations that come up when you've withheld something or when you have done something that is out of integrity with yourself. I was listening to a podcast the other day. What did he say? He said, like, self-esteem is when you are essentially staying in integrity with yourself, right? When you do the things that you tell yourself you're going to do and and you show up the way that you tell yourself you want to be showing up well like yesterday okay i was in the store with my daughter i'm three days out from my period so i don't have a lot of patience she wanted a toy i said no escalation i asked this woman for help who was like working at the store and she was like i asked her if i could like put these things on hold and it's a secondhand store so they don't really do that and i was like I literally had an armful of things I wanted to buy, an arm of screaming child. And I was like, ugh. And like, not so gracefully, like tossed the items onto the shelf next to her and walked out. That stuck with me because that was me being out of integrity with how I want to show up in the world. Right? 
not intentionally harmful. Maybe the woman got annoyed by it. Maybe, you know, but it had an impact, right? My behavior had an impact. That was me not showing up in the way that I wanted to, right? One of the ways that I've come to identify energy leaks like shame, like doing something out of integrity with myself is I keep coming back to it. Like I keep thinking about it just keeps popping up very subtly for me like oh that was a little bit shitty like when I was back in my early 20s like drinking a lot eating like shit sleeping around I would like go and hook up with somebody you know that night be super drunk wake up in the morning have just have this felt experience of being in a fog such a cloudy like hungover horrible like dull feeling now doing what I did yesterday, you know, was not that extreme of of a cloud, but I can notice there is a little grayness in my system. I'm thankful that I have cleared a lot of these things in my life so I can start to notice the more subtle spots that creep up, but it's different for everybody. And so I would look at like, start to notice how you feel when you do or say certain things in your life? Do you feel open and relaxed and like energy is able to flow through your whole body or does there feel some tightness? Is there tension? Where is there heaviness? Where is there fog? That's probably, I don't even remember what you asked me, that, but that was, <laughs> that would be like the, the next step is like starting to notice how you feel in your body when something quote unquote difficult to say comes up in your brain and you don't say it because that's most of our first instinct is to not say it because we want to keep ourselves safe and not be rejected by the person or place or thing that we want love from or safety from what do we do with that seed of shame or that withholding from there is there anything that you would recommend in terms of moving it through our bodies or getting to the point where we can say it out loud yeah i think this is where having somebody for external reflection is really helpful whether it's a therapist a coach to be able to say these things to the person it's not about in the beginning you know in the situations that it's not about that trains our body to then start to be able to have the capacity to say these uncomfortable things to an an open third party, you know, learning to, you know, say the withholds that I had in my partnership or say the uncomfortable things to my coach gave me the capacity to be able to say that, to embody it, to not die when I said it, to recognize I wasn't actually going to die, that I was actually going to be okay so that I could process it, get to the nugget. A lot of times these withholds and these spots where we get stuck, there's so much more that's coming up underneath it. So that's where with help and with good questioning and support, you know, a coach that should ask you questions, (laughs) right? So get somebody who's asking you questions. Oh, why do you feel that way? And have you felt that way before? And how long have you felt that way? Is there another time that you felt that, right? To start to get underneath to why you are having this response. So it's likely coming from a time in your life where you actually didn't get your needs met. Now, not to say this is not this is not across the board, but it's likely coming from 
a reasonable time that something happened in your life where you then made up that belief that has you now responding to life in a way that you are not necessarily proud of. Absolutely. And I think there's so much value to going back and understanding why we are showing up in the way that we're showing up with the emotional experience that's present for us. And what I've found to be so valuable is the taking of action anyway. You know, it's almost like every time I out myself on something that I feel embarrassed about or ashamed about or any of my withholds, there's just a little more levity and freedom that I feel. And it's at the point now where if I am withholding anything, I know that that is exactly what I need to say. If there's any part of me that would rather keep something a secret, that is exactly what I need to be vocalizing. And the shame that my overall experience of shame has gotten smaller and smaller and smaller the more that I'm in the practice of doing this. So I think what it ultimately leads to is a greater level of freedom emotionally and physically. Yeah, I give the visual of you're wearing a sweater, you experience a withhold and that snags a little piece of the yarn on that sweater, but you continue walking through life. And then you have another little moment where something happens and you don't share, you don't say the thing, right? And another piece of yarn gets snagged. So just think about how many times that's happened in your life up until this moment, how many pieces of yarn, you know, red strings are just crisscrossing around your life, around your house. Like, think about all that weight, all that effort that it's going to take for you to keep walking where you want to be going with all of these different strings just pulling and holding you. That's the energy leak. That's what's consuming your energy. That's why you're tired. That's why you need 15 cups of coffee a day. That's why you need these substances to come down at night. You know, this isn't by any means a don't do caffeine or don't take your medications. But in my experience, the moment that you are willing to sit in the discomfort and say that thing, and I want to talk a little bit about caretaking or not caretaking the listener, because that's another important element of this. But the moment that you're willing to sit there and like clip that string, you get back in energy tenfold what you've been draining. It's magic. It's truly magic. If you're tired, that used to be my my go-to. I'm tired. I'm so tired. It was like, no, you're not tired. No amount of sleep is going to help this. You are just a withholding bitch. Like... <laughs> And it's to myself too, right? It's like, I'm, I'm not acknowledging things to myself at times. Like, whatever it is, like, it's not even just about other people, but it is a direct correlation and direct drain on your energy to create in the world. You are creating in the world. It is just drain. Absolutely. I want to slow down on one piece of that for a moment because one of the things that people tend to withhold is desire like not just outing ourselves on the things that we feel embarrassed about or ashamed about but the things that we want out of our lives and very much on theme with the title of this podcast episode money sex and shame what we want in terms of our sexual relationships too and both of them money and sex are two of the most taboo 
shame-filled topics that people avoid talking about. And you have such a wide breadth of knowledge in the realm of intimacy and conscious sexuality. And I'm curious if you could speak a little bit more to why people specifically avoid having conversations about sex and what they want, like what they desire. I've heard somebody say, we're actually not afraid of our failures. We're afraid of our greatness. And I think that would be my assumption around why people are afraid to say what they want in life is because in order to become the woman, I'm speaking on you know my experience, in order to become the person that would have the hot sex or make the million dollars or be traveling around, that's going to take some work. That's going to disrupt the comfortable life that most of us have created for ourselves. What was I listening to? This is a secondhand, you know, quote, but we are living in a hospice reality culture. You know, like hospice care, where you just keep people comfortable until they pass. That's kind of the world that a lot of us are trying to live in. Don't let your husband look at another woman because that will mean that, right? That's not even like available. How dare he? Not even open for that conversation or... Don't want more than you're making now. Don't push yourself too hard to like make more money because like what you have is enough. We really just, again, why we don't want to say the uncomfortable thing is because we are creatures of comfort. That has become like, in my experience of society, that's kind of the American dream, right? To like have the cars and do things. It's not so much about having the things. It's about the comforts that those provide us. And while I'm like such a huge advocate of having things in my life that add to my life and feel good, like, hello, I'm sitting in bed having this conversation, like I am a big believer in being comfortable. It also is the willingness to get uncomfortable to get those things. And I think a lot of people just frankly aren't willing. That's a tough reality to confront. I meet a lot of women, young women, mid-20s, like... Should I get this job? Should I change careers? Should I travel? Da, da, da. You know, they know what they want. They want to try something different. They are unwilling to sacrifice the comfortability of a income that is providing for them at a base level, right? But they're not happy. They're not fulfilled. They're not satisfied. Their head's not hitting the pillow at the end of the night going like, God, I'm exhausted. That felt fucking good. No. And then they're like, well, I don't know what to do. And it's like, yes, you do. You're just ignoring yourself. <laughs> and this goes back to that piece of being willing to say the thing that might end the situation, which to yourself would be like, I'm not happy here. I'm not fulfilled. Being willing to express your desire does not mean you have to go and fulfill that desire. Being willing to say the thing that might end the relationship does not mean you have to end the relationship. Like, I want to be very clear. It is about adding air to that shame to create freedom that opens possibilities that were not previously available to you when you were withholding. 
yeah, that just strikes such a chord right now. And there's a very specific memory that's coming up for me that I know listeners know pieces of this part of my past, but they know that I've been doing the digital nomad thing for like a year and a half. And now I live in Bali. I think some of them, if they've been following along over on Instagram, also know that before I left Los Angeles, I was in a very serious relationship with a man that I was planning on marrying. And there was a pretty big age difference. And we went back to upstate New York to visit our families one summer. And I remember the exact conversation where he looked at me. We were talking about having children. And he was like, yeah, I think in about four years, four to five years maximum, that's the longest I would want to wait. And I remember that moment of I could just shut my mouth and not say anything and everything could just keep moving forward in this relationship as it has been. He could ask for my dad's blessing. We could keep looking for rings. We could, you know, and instead deciding to like tell the truth and say the thing that could potentially end that, which is that I don't want to have kids within that timeline. And I don't know if I will ever want to have children. And the complete unraveling of that relationship from there and seeing that my life with him would have been so good. Like we were so in love. I would have been a great mom. I still might be. I like, I don't know if that's in the cards for me. I don't know if that's a desire that I have even now, but we would have had a beautiful life together living in Los Angeles and getting a house and doing all that. And the desire that I had was for adventure and not to have babies within that timeline. And it would have been so comfortable. It would have been so easy. And it also would have been so good. Like that alternate reality where I had stayed with him and done that, it still would have been a beautiful life. But I would have gone to sleep at night with that seed of, but what if I had followed my gut? And what if I had taken the leap? And what if I had taken the risk? and gone on the adventure that I wanted to go on. But the comfortability. really want to acknowledge that. Yeah, thank you. I don't regret it at all. And I can see just how easy the comfortable alternative would have been. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with choosing that either. No, you know, for listeners who are in that position and they are looking at the potentials and the options and what they could say, what they desire, what they want to advocate for in their relationships and their career and their lives. There's nothing wrong with making the comfortable choice. No, I think it's about getting conscious with it, right? It's like, okay, like really asking myself like is this giving me as much energy as I'm putting into it? Am I getting the thing here? No? Okay. Can I make an adjustment? I can very much say I had that same... I think a lot of women in their mid-20s, middle-age-20s experience this. Do I want to adventure or do I want to get married and settle down? And I'm just here to tell you, like, it is not an either-or. It is not a black or white. But what it is is being willing to honor what is alive for you. And so many of us, I think, 
have ignored what we want that we don't even know how to get to it at some points. Like I meet a lot of women who are like, I don't even know. How do I know what I want? I've been living so much of my life doing the things that make sense and tick the boxes and getting the degrees and following the things I don't even fucking know. And that's a whole unlearning process in and of itself that takes some work. But I think sometimes too, this idea of like following your desire can sound risky and like you have to go get on an airplane and travel and you like have to do all these extreme things. And it's like the risky thing might be to like say yes and get married and have a kid. That might be your risky, you know, adventure for some people. And so just even for listeners looking at themselves, oh, well, like I didn't choose to go on the adventure, like, but it is a big risk to like get married and have a family and have that's a fucking you can't take that back. You know, that is a bold choice that you made and like maybe you were conscious about it maybe not that's okay but the thing is you can always get more conscious and you can always extract more juice from it regardless of the circumstance regardless of the choice regardless of which way you think you need to go or which way you have gone there is always opportunity to get more freedom and that's what you got i hear in making that choice for yourself and saying that thing in your relationship at the time like you got to access your freedom which looks like you know now having been traveling around and and like that was for you absolutely one of the things that i would love to touch on because i know we're getting close to time today is the fact that the conversations that we've been having in the village and also with each other are the most transparent conversations I've ever had about money in my entire life. Revealing to another person like exactly how much money I make, exactly how much I'm bringing in every month, the exact number in my bank account, the exact amount of debt that I have, that level of transparency and vulnerability and revealing has been huge and has changed my life in so many ways. And I'm curious why you think that that's not more common, that people aren't having honest, vulnerable conversations about money in the first place. I think because we put so much emphasis and meaning on money, I think there's a lot of beliefs that are circulating. Like, if you make a lot of money, then you are this. If you have a lot of debt, then you are that. We all have our own internalized like judgments based on our upbringings, our circumstances, and I think it's human nature in a way to like, again, kind of create that sense of safety for ourselves. So we like need to know where we are in terms of where other people are in our immediate surroundings. Let's say we pedestal, you know, making a lot of money. We we demoralize having a lot of debt. These narratives that, again, you can like ask yourself, does this belief actually serve me? That because I have, you know, $10,000 in credit card debt, you know, you're maybe some listeners sitting there thinking, or like you have a mortgage, right? It's like, oh, I'm, oh, there's some like negativity around that. Okay. Does this actually serve me to feel this way, to believe this way? No, does having debt make me a bad person, right? No, it's like, where are we going to get, start to get curious with ourselves? But I think most of us just don't have the tools to do that. And I think there's certain circumstances where, like, you know, we shouldn't be going 
around telling everybody what we make and asking everybody what they make. You know, like this isn't a holiday dinner topic conversation necessarily to have. Again, this is where it comes back to like having those agreements in place. I think one of the things I do exceptionally well in this life is create an environment that is safe for people to feel like they can share. And anybody can learn to do that. I've had some strange training in my life, let's just say, where I've where I've learned to do that in a lot of circumstances since I've been very young, to be comfortable around these types of money conversations and learn to talk about sex. And, and it doesn't mean I still don't feel a lot in my body, but I've learned that that feeling that I'm experiencing in my body actually does not mean anything. And now it's kind of fun. Like, I, I don't know if anybody here listening gets jealous of their partner or jealous of other people making money or jealous of whatever. Jealousy. How do you know you're experiencing jealousy? You can feel kind of like tight. Your chest can get a little bit tight. Like, there's some heat in the body. Like, if I'm just like kind of channeling jealousy right now, like, I actually feel some, you know, some heat in my genitals. I feel like a little buzzing on the back of my head. When else have I experienced sensations like this? Racing heart, heat, tingles on the back of my head, heat in my genitals. Turn on. Jealousy can make for some really great sex. Real great sex, but it's also just your body experiencing sensations and then we interpret it as bad, right? But like if you could sit with those sensations, my sense is that they are, if not directly the same that you feel when you're turned on, but it's very closely related. And it's like, what if the shame that you felt around having debt or not making the six figures that you needed to make, what if you could learn to alchemize that shame into turn on, into power, which is now I think what we have done and are doing inside of our money conversations, inside of, you know, talking about all these things. Like I am a, I am a fiend for sensation and feeling. That is my new drug of choice because I have learned to expand my capacity to feel these things varies like over time inside of community inside of support taking breaks letting myself numb this is not perfect right I've been on such a roller coaster journey with my own healing but I really think why we're not doing it more is because we don't know how to do it and it is a muscle to learn to have the capacity to hold the sensations of saying I have $50,000 in credit card debt. That's not how much I have. I, I can say it right, you know, but like, it's actually kind of hot to say those things. It's kind of fun. It's kind of titillating when you are in agreements, when you have safe space, when you have, you know, practice and holding and somebody to debrief with after you've had this really fucking uncomfortable conversation, right? There are ways to set yourself up to not just like go out of range and completely like blow out and like this is where I think people struggle because they're like well what if I'm just an oversharer and like how do I know it's like you might be violating people if you don't have some of these things in agreement and in place in order to do this in a way that is in integrity absolutely and as it pertains to sex and specifically having conversations with our partners I mean this might be opening up a whole new can of worms Part two, <laughs> talk dirty to me, interview part two. I know for you and I, we've been in communities for a long time where it's very normal to ask for what we want and share about what feels good, what doesn't feel good, 
to out ourselves on our jealousy, whatever it may be. But there are a lot of people out there who struggle to even say, that was really unfulfilling for me. I want something different sexually. And I know you have such expertise and so much experience in this realm. So what do you think is the first step to really bringing a greater level of transparency and honesty into those kinds of conversations for people who are either in a couple or even just casually hooking up, being able to advocate for what we want. Be willing to ask for the thing that might end the relationship. No. In my experience, quote-unquote good sex happens where there is polarity. Two sides of a magnet. Two ends of a magnet. Polarity happens when there's a clear channel of connection. Even if you have two of the strongest magnets, you have something obstructing that connection, those magnets are going to have a hard time connecting. If you have two magnets, let's say the positive and the negative, for the sake of this very generalized explanation, the, the positive will be the masculine side. The negative will be the feminine side, the giving and the receiving. A lot of us women like to and have learned how to operate more in our masculine. So let's say you have two positives, two ends of the same side of a magnet trying to connect. That doesn't work. So having connected, hot, intimate sex starts with having a really clear channel of communication that creates more polarity in a relationship. That's what I'm deeply in the practice of now in learning how to communicate in a feminine way, learning how to receive the my masculine sight and provision and leadership in a way that is empowering for both sides. This is our particular yum. You know, it's not for everybody, but likely if you're not having the sex you want, you're also not having the type of conversations that you want. They go hand in hand. And so look at where you're withholding. There are so many levels to it, but I think trying to like come at sex any other way than truly getting honest with yourselves, getting willing to be uncomfortable, find out what turns you on, and being willing to share that is only going to create more intimacy and polarity and ultimately have hotter connection and hotter sex. So talk nerdy to me homework. Really good question to ask yourself is what are you withholding? What are you withholding? And on that note, Vic, I want to ask, are there any final words of wisdom you want to leave with listeners before we start to wrap it up? You mean that I haven't already dropped? No. <laughs> Don't be afraid of the chaos. Chaos is beautiful. I meet a lot of people who are really afraid of the mess. When we look at it, a mess or chaos, that is something moving from one place to another. Right? Like, look at your last move. Look at 
the last time you moved, right? Your house is in beautiful, perfect shape. And then it's going to look like a bomb went off because there's boxes everywhere and things and packing and materials. That is chaos. That is change. That is energy flow. And so many of us are like overwhelmed by the chaos and afraid to be in it. And you actually have the capacity to hold way more than you are. And don't embrace a little chaos because if you really want to have conversations and melt some shame and have more freedom and make more money and have hotter sex, like it's gonna require you to go through a bit of chaos. Mic drop. 1000%. Yeah, like it doesn't look good. It doesn't look pretty. You're gonna want to just like go in a hole and like say never mind. My husband's a coach also. He, you know, and I met in a personal growth retreat. I meet so many women who are like, well, if I just had a husband that was like in it, if I just had a, I just want to be a man who's like in this work and like gets it. And I'm like, sister, do you know what you would be signing up for? That is somebody who's not taking your shit, not letting you get away with these, you know, withholding. That man is a drug-sniffing dog for withholds. That's not comfortable. It's not just easier because, you know, we met at a retreat and he gets it. It is uncomfortable. And so if you're with a partner who maybe doesn't get it or doesn't have... Love that love that and there's so much room for growth and it's gonna be uncomfortable enjoy the ride thank you so so much for sharing that with me Vic, and with listeners i'm so grateful for your time today i'm so grateful for you just being a part of my life and supporting me so much and calling me out on my bullshit so much is there anything else you're withholding from me right now you want to, sh- from our listeners, you want to? Yeah, I was actually thinking about that as we were speaking. I was like, mm, is there anything that I'm withholding right now? Let me just slow down and get present with myself for a moment. Not at this moment. I feel like this has been a very revealing episode already and I feel like if there was a question I would gladly answer it and yeah there's nothing I'm withholding right now at least not consciously I don't know if something else percolates from the subconscious I'll go back and add it in at the end come and tell me no what about you anything you're withholding right now no I definitely have some kind of amends I want to make somehow to that shop girl yesterday. (laughs) That's the biggest piece stuck in my system now, right now. And that's saying a lot for me. Like I just had a really, yeah, good conversation with my husband even before we got on and cleared some stuff that I was withholding that created more intimacy there so yeah thankfully it's, it's a pretty good practice you don't have to keep this in if you don't want a random but <laughs> i'll probably keep it in thank you Vic. i love you love you 
If you loved this episode, help us get it into the ears and brains of more listeners like you by sharing it on social media. When you share on Instagram, make sure you tag me at Alex underscore Nashton. Instagram is also the best place to send me your questions about the episode material and make requests for future topics and guests. New episodes of Talk Nerdy to Me drop every single Wednesday. When you hit subscribe, you'll be notified of new releases so you never have to miss one. Last but not least, this podcast baby would not be possible without Adam Russell. Adam, I am so grateful to have had your support in creating this podcast. Thank you for always being willing to talk nerdy to me.